the context of sound. Oh. Is that, yeah? Metro Boomin wants some more, nigga. That, oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oops, we're, lusty, we're rusty. Yeah, it's been a minute. We haven't done this for a while. But Metro Boomin does want some more. Yeah. He's always well, naturally. Wants, he always wants a lot. I mean, take it easy, Metro Boomin. Um, oh Lord Jesus! How have you been? It's been Where a minute. We've been? been we've been a while. Oh my God! You know, it's like Dee Dee says, "We're all busy. We are honey. all busy. We're we all, busy. all busy." It's true. Um, but I like to think of it as like we took like a season. It's my break. Lacroix, or that your, is your Lacroix. Lacroix? That's your Lacroix. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by the Lacroix Pamplemousse, uh, breaking up families and homes uh, for the last twenty years, uh, quite deliciously. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we took like a little bit of like a, I like to think of it like as a sort of break between things. So this is like season two. Yeah, uh, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah. It's also, I think, episode 10. (laughs) I mean, we're like an HBO series. It's just like, it's quality, not quantity. Yeah. It's like BBC. Exactly. Exactly. I think it. And also, it's, we both are really busy. It's actually a very true statement. Yeah. Um, the last time I saw you was when we were shooting a music video yes. for my song with Luke Millian. Which is a great song. If you haven't heard it yet, go out and listen to it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. Luke Millian, Back to the Future. It is. It's such a bop. It's such a summer it's bop. It's super cute. I mean, yeah. I do a lot of features here and from time to time. This is one of my favorites. Yeah. Like, it's, it's such a bop. such a fun song. It's yeah. just like a perfect like, a summer jam. Song. It is a very you song. It is fun. Um, yeah, it was uh, a, a great little video, which I'm excited to see which soon. Which you only came for the second location, which was, the first location was me, like, driving around in an in a old Mercedes, like, mm-hmm. doing, like, lip sync and shit like that. The second location was supposed to be, like, a very elegant, eloquent, <laughs> <laughs> eloquent. a very elegant, like, summery southern california house with like palm trees and cactus and Mm -hmm. a pool yeah and the producer did their best based on the photos that we'd seen looked like it was going to be a nice location oh my god (laughs) was actually a ratchet porn house it was a porn it house. Just had, it just it was like one like of these McMansions house. in Beverly Hills that looks like Somebody no got railed there. on that couch, like, without a doubt. It's a bukkake house. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, honestly, like, now that you say that, it totally makes sense. I mean, it was, without a doubt, a porn house. And so <laughs> now they're just trying to edit the video in a way where, like, the house doesn't show up at all. I know. Well, uh, I mean, I would be not, I would be okay with with me being cut out. <laughs> it was really funny. At one point in time, they, uh, I was, uh, we were shooting one particular part of it and uh, I was told to change my shirt. So I like changed my shirt and uh, the, the director guy was like, you know what, actually just keep the shirt off for a second and then get back in the frame. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they're like, oh, no, it looks a little too rapey. <laughs> and then like, I was like, yeah, I could agree, and not that I was being the rapey one, but I looked like I was being the one that was, like, attacked. By, by the, the director? T- no, not by the director, by the, maybe, but by the two girls that were up there. It was, I don't know, they were really sweet, and it was really fun. I had a good time. It was really cute outside of... Yeah, that, it was but, cute. It was, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I think we've... We're back, and we have a really fun episode today. I'm actually really excited about yes. it. Yes. Um, because I was actually a little bit on the fence, because I was like, I don't know... 
seems overdone. And then I realized it's not overdone because there's so much about the story that I did not know. And um, there's a whole new generation that needs to hear the story. Exactly. Exactly. Um, today we have called this episode Miming the Charts. <laughs> <laughs> Miming the Charts, yeah. Today is actually about uh, musical fakes and frauds. It's about foolery, fakery, fuckery, fraudery, foery, foery. 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 I get that. I mean, it's, it's fun. So um, it's funny because both, like, Today I'm talking about. I mean, obviously when you talk, when you when you discuss like fuckery and fraudery and foery uh, and foery specifically, um, no one comes to mind uh, greater than like <laughs> Millie Vanilli, obviously. Um, and it's funny because I, when I was looking into it, I realized like everyone over, I mean, under the age of, you know, like I mean, over the age of twenty five probably knows. I wouldn't even say 25, maybe over, like 28 knows what v- Millie Vanilli is. And like, but also I realized that, you know, when they were like really like on um, the late 80s, early 90s, I was like four or I five. I mean, they know? were even like, yeah, I didn't really know. That, I didn't, I, we only, the only reason I think we really know about them is because of the scandal that ensued. Exactly. And... VH1 behind the music, which was an unbelievable episode of television. Absolutely, it's also their first episode of TV of of behind the music was a Millie Vanilli episode, which I did not know. Yeah, um, I didn't know that either. It was so good. It was just unbelievable episode, uh, and really tells like the entire rise and fall and the tragic end of of of, uh, of uh, Millie Vanilli, but also to like just getting into the actual like reasonings behind that type of fuckery. It's something that I, I guess I just really never really thought about until just now. And, like, I don't know. It's funny because, like, in 1990, I mean, if it wasn't, like, if it wasn't, like, Salty the Singing Songbook or, like, BB and CC <gasps> Winans, I was not fucking with it. Wait. Really. You don't know you did not just Salty the Singing Songbook I me. I did Salty the Singing Songbook you. Oh, my lord yep. in heaven. Absolutely. I you grew up with, with that? that? Hell yeah, I fucked with it heavily. You know, Jesus put a song in my heart, gave me a melody. Yeah, that was my shit. Oh my god, whoa, you just opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah. Wait, there's another one that, um, oh, Salty the Singing Song, but okay, so for all 300. And fifty million you know that, like, other people first, that didn't listen yeah. to that. It was like a Christian. <laughs> it was like a super Christian, like children's, like a uh, <laughs> propaganda scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, um, like my first like big stadium show was a Salty the Singing Songbook show. Oh, it was like packed. My, it was crazy. And just in case anyone is actually trying to Google this, it's Salty with a P. Yeah, P S A L T Y. Yeah, that shit. He uh, he was great, uh, but that was it was that, and obviously like the classics of uh, Mr. and Mrs. BB and CC Winings, who mm. that's basically all I listened to back then, um, which I still love them to death. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was like the entirety of like my musical sort of interest back then. So as to like put that in the reference of like what was going on in eighty eight, eighty nine, with 90, devil music, yeah. With these, you know, two, you know, whorish men. Um, but we'll get into that later. Who are you yeah. talking about today? I mean, well, so we're, we're the, th- the overall theme is mimery and people that were kind of faking it. So mm-hmm. um, I have a little interesting story 
about Black Box, mm. Italian house supergroup. Yeah. And there's a lot of sort of like other players in this story. And mm. it's it's one of my favorite. Well, they're, I, they're one of my favorite artists growing up. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was like, you know, seven, I was doing like Running Man. Everyone Yeah. Yeah, um, that was black box. Was the stuff that I forced my family <laughs> to, to, listen to listen to and to watch me perform at family functions. Too, yeah, in bicycle shorts with Reeboks. You know how I know you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> Check one two. Um, no, I mean the different. The interesting kind of like uh, juxtaposition between the two is like black box was at least like pretty decent music oh black box is amazing outstanding yeah. and still holds up um millie vanilli on the other hand no garbage it's complete just garbage absolute shit yeah uh and that's the even more interesting part about it <laughs> is that like is that they actually they sold like nine or ten million ten million total records like to date is how much like how many albums not even records how many albums that they sold um six number one hits Six number one hits. No, like six top ten hits. A three, four of them went like number one, I believe, is what that that general told. I mean, like they were popular as a motherfucker. It just never, you know, what never fails to boggle my mind mm-hmm. is that the public are so dupable. Oh my god! See, <laughs> let's let's just go ahead and get into it because, like, honestly, the, I all mean, of, also all... <laughs> one thing I want to say before we get into this is. We're coming at this from an angle of not, I wouldn't say self-righteousness, but where this is a critique on things that occurred where people were kind of like faking it. Absolutely. Side note, sidebar <laughs> city, hashtag um, asterisks. Mm-hmm. What, it, are we, what are people going to talk about in the future? Because... It's like 90% foolery, fakery, hoery, foery now. And that's that's where we should start because the interesting thing about like These people everything that least... I've read. Yeah. Like there no what's the difference between that's you. a is that is oh shit. Look at that. Um also so, so, side note, my <laughs> studio is under construction so we're literally in like a tiny little room. Yeah. It's like a really like beautifully like spacious closet pretty much it's basically a closet um but it looks great and we look great too anyhow so to get into like the like the <laughs> if you were wondering <laughs> if you were wondering <laughs> um the more interesting thing that i i find about this particular topic like you were just saying is that like the level of authenticity within music uh in the way in which like people like to upheld it, uphold it as being this thing where you have to be this very real person that your music should be a reflection of you. Yeah. When it comes to pop music, and nowadays electronic music is pop music, and pop music is, is a kind of an umbrella term for like that kind of packaged up thing. Like Authenticity when it comes down to pop music on a bigger scale is just, it's not a possibility. Like It doesn't seem to me that there's anything different between what you know Rob and Fab their their contribution to that <clears throat> particular um the machine that was Millie Vanilli is no different than the entire production and songwriting and execution team that went behind that was behind 25 for Adele like it is a, right. generally like a like a very solid group effort um and it's interesting um to 
to put that in the juxtaposition of of Millie Vanilli because they, um, <clears throat> Rob and Fab, like the two front men of Millie Vanilli, as I'll kind of reference them as the rest of the time, um, they very much so contributed to the general like uh, execution and like presentation that was Millie Vanilli. They. Mm. You can anything that you'll read or or watch about them. Everyone always said that they put on one hell of a live show. They were oh, look those two super amped, good they, fucking running man in some bicycle shorts all day long. They were like super super attractive, mm-hmm. uh, really energetic. Uh, put on a great show. They it was actually really funny because I was interested in like on like just because their music is so terrible, like why <laughs> did they how did they get nominated even get nominated for best new artist Grammy, mm. and I saw that like it said that the Grammy justified its vote or, or allowing them to be voted f- upon, citing the duo's visual impact on music that year. Mm. That the only the large reason why they were even nominated was because like their music videos and their presentation and their tours were so fucking popular that it was like impossible to ignore despite the fact that their music literally was just like let's have the exact same beat and then throw a few different things on top of Mm. it like that's it i mean i was listening to their entire greatest hits today just to like figure out what the fuck it was all about and i shit you not there were like probably five songs that sound exactly the same like exactly the same, and it was just like I'll mix in a different like hi hat here there. Was this a trap album? <laughs> <laughs> Shocker! There we go. Boom! Bringing this back, like like we were just saying, <clears throat> like this is all. It's such a manufactured idea, and there's really nothing different. I mean, when it comes down to like who's saying what or who's doing what, like, did it ever really matter? Um, so I guess we can actually get into the story of Millie Vanilli because I think it's really funny, yes. but also really good. We're at like. 25, 27 years since they debuted. Wow. Um, we're 28, actually, because they debuted in 88. Uh, and Damn. they're both from... Uh, well, not both from... I'll, we'll get into it. So the band itself they're was... German, right? They're both, both German. No, one of them's German, one of them's French. Mm. Um, they were started by a German producer named Frank Farian. Uh, he had worked with this... Uh, Disco group called Boney M. Are you familiar with? Oh, them? I'm extremely familiar with yeah. Boney M. They so, were also super manufactured. Yeah, but so, amazing, amazing. Um, so he was Camp the kind of as all hell as fuck. So he was kind of behind. I guess we can play just a Boney oh, M. song play just some for Boney M. for everyone who doesn't know um, Boney M. Oh yeah, love me some Boney M. Let's get into it. Oh, this is oh my god, good one. This is oh, Frank's. Yeah, Daddy Cole. She's crazy like a fool. Frank's first band. What about Daddy Cool? Daddy Cool. This track came out in 1976. Yeah, we might have taken like a little bit of time off, but we are still playing long ass intros. Don't you fucking forget it. Don't uh, worry, you guys. Uh, uh, we still got that unlock. Anyhow, so um, that's Boney M. That was Frank's kind of first big hit of a group that he produced for. He also um, 
was a producer for this group called Far Corporation. They were kind of like a like a kind of like a jam bandy session rock group. Um, <clears throat> he was kind of the match my mind. Those two, they were pretty successful. He was looking to kind of put together like a new group that was kind of a fusion of like the Euro like kind of like disco pop like electronic sound. Uh, and then what was more popular at the time that was coming up was like American rap. So he figured, what can I do to make this all one thing? So he, you know, <laughs> smashed all these like session musicians and vocalists. Uh, in total, there was uh, a rapper named Charles Shaw, who is an army vet. There was <laughs> not two, to be confused not with not the two-bun chuck. <laughs> not to, I mean, maybe that's where he got his money from because there's another story about uh, <laughs> Charles Shaw actually... <laughs> I actually didn't even put this together because he got paid $150,000 to retract his statement saying that Fab and Rob weren't uh, the voices behind Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Billy Vanilli. Wait, he got paid to retract his statement saying calling them out. So he was the first person that called them out for like faking it. And Farian actually gave him money, like $150,000 hush money to retract his statement and say that he was just doing it for publicity. Um, but maybe with that 150k, Mr. Charles really Shaw started wine. making really cheap wine, and he could be responsible for two buck Chuck. Who knows? Who knows? We could we'll Google know. this, but we won't. Absolutely, it broke here first, folks. So if it does happen, like sort your slices, cite your sources. Jesus Christ! <laughs> sort, I your to, sort your slices. Sort your slices, everyone. Um, anyways, and the two singers were Johnny Davis and Brad Howell, uh, and had some like female uh oh, those are the real vocals. singers those are the real singers okay. and then charles was a real rapper um so it wasn't even like so it wasn't two even people it was one... three people what? total singing plus they had like two other girls as their backup singers and two other guys as a backup singer too uh and so dancers like as well five different voices yeah it was a lot of people involved um and he was all for it but he just realized that you know like all these dudes didn't really have a marketable image. So he was like, you know what? I don't really need you guys to be the face of this. So he found uh, Rob Pilatus and Fabrice Morvan. Uh, Robin Ro- Fab. Robin Fab, who were the two, um, they were the two heads of the group because he figured they would be good to kind of, because they're obviously they're two very, very, very beautiful black men. They were basically, I like to, they were kind of like black Fabios. Absolutely. I mean, they, they... They had like long hair. They were kind of dumb. They were like pretty dumb jock, like Euro, like, yeah. oh. They were both dancers, so I they could know. move really well. Um, <laughs> I and, don't know. Abdominal muscles. <laughs> that's, that's a <laughs> uh, it's so true. So the more interesting thing, where this story begins and ends at, is simply from, I don't know, pure observation... Uh, I'm going to play a clip of uh, one of their songs, one of their first songs, uh, which was uh, in the States that got really popular, which is Girl, You Know It's True. Mm. Uh, I'll play a little bit classic. of it. Classic. It's a classic jam. It's uh, it's a pop song at best. Uh, and <laughs> the more important part is after that, I will be playing a clip of an interview of them speaking. And we're going s- to be A-being those we're gonna, voices. Yeah. So I'm just going to I'm just going to do this real quick. So, ladies and gentlemen, make note of, of the vocal performance you're about to hear. Because I, I don't know if it's just, like, me or, like, I don't know. It's I, I could just have it very wrong in regards to, like, what well, it sounds like. I sat back and thought about the things we used to do. It really meant a lot to me. 
You mean a lot to me. I really mean that much to you? Girl, you know it's true. Mm. So, case in point, um, <clears throat> now, Rob Playtis is from... Oh, wait, no, no, no. I'm not turning don't, it down. It's just like a long intro. Don't talk over this intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it sounds like the new Katy Perry song. It does sound like Slave to the Rhythm. What is it called? Like Chain to the Rhythm. Chain to the Rhythm, not Slave to the Rhythm. That's why I was like, yeah, I mean, it's the long one. Girl, you know it's true. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, 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 I love you. Case in point. I, <laughs> I mean, mean, the first first thing I'll say about Rob and Fab. So, quick backstory: Rob is from uh, Germany. He was actually born to a um, American. His father was like a like a military man, and his mom was like a stripper from Germany. Mm-hmm. He was put up for adoption, and then ended up actually being adopted and, and grew up in 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 Germany. Um, Fab is <clears throat> from. He's from uh, the island of Guadeloupe and lived in Miami for a while, lived in Paris, uh, and then ended up um, kind of moving to Munich, uh, and that's where they met each other. So Fab and, and Rob met, met each other in, in Munich at like a nightclub because they were dancing. They were dancers. And, and then were they already kind of a thing? Well, they were they were friends, and I think that the uh, that that um, Frank Farian, like, Fellow like encountered them at a nightclub and was like, "You guys would be great for my group that I'm trying to like put together here." And he actually, um, they after like I think when they were in Munich, they got hooked up with Millie Vanilli. They got the name from they said was like a um, they found it somewhere in Turkey and they're like, "Oh, that sounds cool" because it doesn't really mean anything. Um, it says that like they thought it was Turkish, but. Um, Vanilli doesn't mean anything in Turkish and Millie means national so it actually came from a defunct disco in Berlin apparently there we go That's so it's a truth. code for white nationals basically is what that sounds like actually eesh <laughs> I didn't even put that together whoa there whoa. we go um, <laughs> thanks Germany thanks for that um, really that is white national basically <laughs> um, except Realty though, vanilla is black. There we go. They it even tried to whitewash they vanilla. They whitewash vanilla. Damn. Can't leave anything <laughs> the way it's supposed to be. Um, so they they get hooked up with Frank. They it's kind of said that they went kind of back and oh, wait a second. I still have to finish like my Oh, your, your comparison. My, my comparison. Your vocal. Also, we, we did just hear that vocal performance. Yes, just remember that vocal performance. And now knowing that that was that a was vocal that. performance of someone that wasn't that visually was appealing enough to carry, to that, carry song. that song. But let me just say this. 
Nor were they even audibly audibly good enough Boom. to carry that song. Because for a few reasons now, I mean, we've got essentially two people, two non-Americans, nothing wrong with that. Oh, okay. But wow. like, a little hostile. In the sense <laughs> Build a wall Build around a wall your heart. heart. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they, that, their English was a second, third language for, for both of them. Yeah. So they also were 18 years old at the time, which wow. I didn't even know. Because they looked so, they just looked grown. like grown adult yeah. old people They to looked me. grown. <laughs> they, um, so I'm going to play this interview from them. Uh, this is kind of after their fall, but this is the only kind of good audible, like the interview that I could find of the two of them talking. So uh, here's a bit. Ourselves at first that we're able to do something that to a certain extent we have talent, quote unquote, you know, was bef- that's the reason why we came back. And after that, the rest, the rest of the world, you know, get some crazy. She looks like Shanene. She were does look like Shanene. Brad Howell and Sean Davis are the real singers, and I think they should get, they should get this grant. We ended it. Robin Fab ended Millie not Frank Farron. We told him, if we can't sing on our record, you have to. You have to go on the press and say that we don't sing because we couldn't break out of our contract. Just the producer can stop the contract. The artist, for me, for us, it would be difficult to stop a contract and try to release other albums with other producers with other record companies. Okay, so let me just play mm. that song back a little bit. Uh... Not in this world, not in any other world. Also, who is this? That's Tony from Minneapolis. <laughs> who is this like, hoe? <laughs> you know, like, I have so many questions just immediately upon upon that one general. People weren't sleuthing. Now, here's one thing that I also uh, read, because I thought in my head, surely black people didn't see it, didn't like buy into this. Because I said, there's no, there's no way. And I was like, did he chart on like the R&B charts? Did they chart on the R&B charts? No. You know, what was the general tone? I mean, granted, like I said, that's before my time of being part of like the popular black so, site, guys. This is a prior, this is obviously like pre, pre, pre black Twitter. So like mm-hmm. that kind of like nationwide consensus of like, do we or do we not fuck with this? Yeah. Wasn't there yet. Mm. But still, like, so many things immediately come up as, like, a red flag. Like, there's no way those voices are coming out of those two people. Like, can you imagine if the Black Twitter caucus had existed at this time? There would have been a, this would have been canceled so quickly. I mean, each and every one of those delicate little braids would have been, like, quickly and swiftly, individually snatched off of each of their heads. Like... The memes that would come out of it. Yeah. I mean, there would be a college course alone, a whole semester worth of, like, the, like, analysis of, like, the post Millie Vanilli era meme, like, uh, fallout, if that were to happen. I mean, it would be... She's mad. She is not happy. See, even Charlie is upset about it. She's like, yeah, I don't fuck with this. This would have been pulled faster than the (laughs) National Pepsi campaign. So... Billy Vanilli like explodes upon the scene like when they get started. I mean, 1988, they sell millions and millions and millions of copies. I mean, they're everywhere. They go on a tour. Um, they come over to the states, and this is just before they even got to the states. The states they blew up. They were everywhere. I mean, I was just reading some articles from like 
uh, Billboard magazine and a couple other people who wrote just kind of like exactly how big they were that, you know, like particularly like among teenagers, because the only thing that they really had at the time. Oh, my God. Is that Drake? That is Drake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I wish you guys could see this picture right now. Someone. It's uh, a picture of. I guess Fab. It's Fab with, uh, with Drake's with Drake's face, face on it. Well, because I mean, he's Ooh. also. We'll get into like the the mimicry and the the fakery on on that to take the the full the circle there. But it's interesting because like a lot of all the teenagers in the late eighties, early nineties, like really braids. took a hold of them because like their their you know their lyrics were everything. I mean, it was like super emo, just about you know like. You know, love and they had some Diane Warren like pen hits that oh, were like did. really big jams. Wow. Uh, yeah, don't blame the rain. That's a Diane Warren song. I'll play mm, that right now. That, that was sense. one of their big songs. This is actually kind of a bop. I'm not gonna lie, but it's still a bad. Oh song. yeah, this is their best song. Yeah, and thanks Diane Warren. I wonder if she knew. I mean, I mean, you could have picked anybody to be the vocal, anyone, and this is who you chose. It's just, it doesn't, it just doesn't translate. Like, that's the thing I don't get, white America. I mean, you guys literally fell for this shit, like hook, line, and sinker. I mean, it's beyond me how, like, upset people were. I mean, like, when it came out, they're like, oh, they're fake. And Grant, I feel like we're, I'm hopping around a lot on this just because I have so many feelings on the thought, on this entire thing, because it just seems like, so asinine that you would that a that it would even happen or b that people would be hurt but hurt about it as though like it's well, a you surprise. haven't even still got to the to the to the worst of it yet yeah it's, i'm not even there yet um anyhow so <clears throat> they are blowing up and they are everywhere um the more and more popular they become the more and more pressure there is for them i think obviously they're they're on tours they're winning grammys it's it's a big deal for them they kind of start to get starts to get to their head a little bit meaning that they you know they think they're hot shit you know Mm -hmm. as anybody would if you're on top of the world and you're living this rock star life it's crazy there's a really interesting uh quote that i found that um uh, was it Fab actually said to um, to a reporter, which I'm actually going to read because it's unbelievable. Um, so they were talking to Time Magazine and they said this, quote, we are musically more talented than any Bob Dylan. Musically, we're more talented than a Paul McCartney. Oh. Uh, the reporter then says, after this, I gave them a chance to explain or retract by asking, what do you mean by that exactly? They answered, creative to be able to produce. The context was their description of their music as a modern rock and roll. In the same context, he said to me, we are the new modern rock and roller. I'm the new Elvis. I'm the new Roy Orbison uh, at this time. I'm the new Beatles. Oh, Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. Uh, This was like 
uh, months before everything fell apart for them. What ends up happening, they get all this attention. They start pressuring Frank to actually give them like more creative input in the band. They obviously wanted to sing. They wanted to write. Uh, Frank went back and forth with them about, about it because they always said they wanted to sing, they wanted to write, but they all they did was they go out and party and sleep all day. It's like, you didn't want to do the work, but you say you want to, but you didn't. So they went back and forth on this whole thing. And uh, eventually Frank They would have done so well today. So well. Honestly, they would absolutely be like one of the mumble rappers. I mean, that's literally, yeah. that's what they would be doing. I mean, they it would have worked. But Frank ends up being the one who blows a whole horn on everything because you're just like look i can't control them they're asking for too much i'm not really trying to be about this life so i'm fucking done so he just tells everybody these two are a fraud they weren't the voices behind this this is actually somebody else a bunch of other people and like all hell breaks out i mean the response from people were like bananas they ended up having holding this press conference in, in hollywood uh to give back their um, oh yeah, they did give back to Grammy. The Grammy. <gasps> um, actually, before I play this, I want to play this little clip from. I can't believe they took their Grammy away. That's the crazy part. Is like, it's the Grammys, and we don't need to, we don't even, even need to get in there yet. <laughs> we we've covered this. How subject. many? How many things? <laughs> um, there's this little interview of them from the press conference here. You have to understand, we were seduced, we were abused, and we felt very guilty. That's but the tune Millie Vanilli yeah, is singing yeah. now that the pop duo has been exposed so, so for never singing a note on a Grammy Award-winning album that sold more than 7 million copies. As they return the Grammy for Best New so Artist, already Grammy revoked by the music industry, the two singers claim they are the victims of a... That's not the one I want to play. It's too much over talk on it. Their look is pretty f- ferocious. It though. is super ferocious. I feel like, I feel like we're ready for that look to come back. They very famously held a press conference in which they gave their Grammys back. Mm. Um, said that it was to they wanted to give them to the original singers, but the Grammys were just like, nope. Uh, they actually never gave it to anybody. So that's like the one year that there's like not a best new artist now because they refused to give it to anyone else. Uh, I, I guess wonder if that was the year to... that the curse of the best new artists began, or if that had always been a curse. I mean, one one might. I mean, I don't know of another one before then that would have. I mean, I'm sure there is. If I were to look into, maybe that's another thing for an episode. Best the curse of the best new artists. Ooh. That's a good one to look into. Let's do that. Oh. Uh, um. <laughs> 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 um no, but it's uh, so hard to be elevated. <laughs> <laughs> no cop. <laughs> um, so they in 1990. This is November of 1990 that the whole like thing falls apart for them, and everybody like fucking throat loses their shit. The press in general were like really, really hard against them. I mean, they. No, I cannot. Wh- who would think? I know. It's actually crazy. So I was reading up that the like Arista, who was a record label, dropped them. They actually also destroyed the masters for what? all of their music. That was a bit dramatic. Super dramatic. Come on, Arista. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
I read this. This this is a really funny thing. Uh, this is a quote from the. I LA. bet cocaine was involved in that. Oh, the, the, the drama was so high. They're like, we're gonna burn, we're gonna burn those motherfuckers, masters. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I got a lighter. <laughs> um, there were actually class action lawsuits that happened as a result uh, that oh my God. people felt duped that. And this were like three mil, three hundred thousand people were entitled to a full refund of their album, and like a whole bunch of people actually like followed through, uh, fell, followed through, followed through with it. There's this like nine year old girl that was interviewed in the L.A. Times, and she said that she thinks that they're dirty scum buckets. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, and oh man, people have always and will always be petty. Always. But the more interesting thing that I saw this whole situation uh, when the Grammys took back their award, the president at the time said, I hope this uh, revocation will make the industry think long and hard before anyone ever tries to pull something like this again. <laughs> now, that right there is kind of where the the real interesting thing is, is because like, what does like, something like this mean? Does this mean like something where someone pretends that something is theirs that isn't theirs or mm. that someone claims music that they created was theirs? Um, like at the end of the day, like what does what does a best new artist mean? Like, is this something that comes down to this is you? We're giving this to you, or is this, we're giving this to the team that makes you you? Mm. Because for the most part, and as I said a little bit earlier, that um, the committee, the Grammy voting committee, even like the reason why that um, Millie Vanilli were even on the ballot were because of the way in which they visually presented their music, which is kind of crazy, seeing as. I'm not even going to go there about Beyonce, but um, if that's the visual impact and that's what they're being awarded for, like how, how, like what, what's the issue with it not being them? There's a, a weird level of authenticity that isn't necessarily like, I, I think understood or like at least well agreed upon when it comes to, to the, to music specifically with pop music. Cause I'm like thinking, you know, what's, I looked at it all, and I'm like... There are no rules. There's no rules, really. I mean, and the rules change constantly about what is acceptable. I mean, you think back to when autotune first started being implemented, and it was always sort of like a disqualification of real um, talent. To, to, yeah. to a certain point. I mean, except when Cher did it, everyone, you know, Cher had, had a 30 cur- yeah, know, music she had career been, already. She, she, everyone, she had proven herself. So it was she, like a new... It's a new thing for yeah. her. But we also live in a time where a producer, a sound engineer can grab literal syllables from mm-hmm. a thousand different auto record, like recordings of someone singing to put together one cohesive track. Like, what is real? What I is authentic? I can speak a sentence... You know? And you can make a song into out a of viral it. video. Absolutely. Like, um, what's authentic? Like, how can we sit there and, and tell these these people? And it's crazy. Granted, it's 1990. I think people were just like, just they were offended that they had been duped more than anything else. But number one, like, shame on you because that shit was obvious as fuck. Number two, like, what did you expect? You know, like... You thought that these dudes were sitting in here like banging out these hits themselves, that they were the ones that were producing the records, that they were the ones that were writing them. That they and were... still having time 
to work on their abdominals. Absolutely. You saw those? Did you see? You I mean, look them up. Did those you ass see cheeks do not. Those thighs? They are not made like by like squatting, like doing a hundred day squat challenge. Like they were in there. Like, like where do you, where do you see all this happening? And it, it's, I don't know. It, it, it blows my mind that they're. I mean, even you think about how many people it takes to make a Beyonce record. Yeah. And by the way, this is not me coming from Beyonce. No, not at all. Not at all. We love her. But it's true. Like, no, no man is an island to themselves. I mean, like, this yeah. is like a fucking village to make this shit happen. What's the big idea that, like, the people who put their name... I mean, Major Laser, for example. Like, what is that? Who is that? <laughs> mm. You know? These are the questions that matter. And, 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 and at the end of the day, like... We can sit and posit a lot of things. We can sit and posit a lot of things about a lot of people and who does what and who does the where. But, like, what it comes down to is that, like, I don't know. I feel that Millie Vanilli was, like, unjustly, like, uh, like I don't know. At least Rob and Fab were just, like, really, like, really shittily, like, handled. I mean, in general, I mean, I, I feel like we I'm going. We love a slaughter. We do. We love a slaughter. I mean, and it, it fucked both of them, more particularly, like, Rob, who already had a really shit time growing up. Who had been, you know, like given up for adoption, like spent some time in a um, an orphanage, and then had all this stuff handed in front of him, thrust in front of him at like eighteen years old, and then just just skewered by the press, and had a drug problem, and ended up actually like ODing and dying in ninety eight at like thirty three. Um, Fab is. I thought he'd t- taken his own life. I mean, I th- well, he attempt. There were suicide attempts. There were suicide attempts. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, uh, very famously like slit his wrist and then tried to jump off of a, a balcony of a, a, a hotel here in Los Angeles. Um, there was just a lot of a lot of cries for help on his part because he had just been so his you know to go so high and like literally be on top of the world. I mean, when you have a record that goes platinum six times and you win the best new artist. Uh, Grammy like and then all of a sudden be like nobody fucks with you anymore no one wants to talk to you they actually ended up like coming back with a group called Robin Fab yeah after the fact to try and like you know reclaim um, some you know fame or some like you know prestige when it came down to the career Uh, that album ended up flopping I think it excuse me it sold like 2,000 copies total and the record label that uh, they uh, the record label that they got signed to actually ended up like closing down because of oh, that. Shit. Like it was that big of a flop. Um, so I mean, he retreated into himself, had, went in and in and out, in and out, and in and out of rehab. Um, the VH1 behind the music special that they did on them kind of talked about that he had at the time of the completion of the VH1 special, uh, which is actually subsequently, unfortunately, when that was a lot of adjectives like on top of each other. Um, <clears throat> that he died actually like shortly before the the episode was about to air, so they had to like edit it uh, to include that information. But he had just completed his like tenth cycle in rehab, uh, so he he really struggled a lot with mm. that. Um, and Fab, you know, is still making music or trying to at least, um, and you know he's rebounded from it to some certain extent it's actually really funny that fab and the guy who was his original like rapper uh in 2015 they were working on like a tv show uh show about the two of them working on an album together which mm. i thought would really wouldn't would have been really funny um, like a reality show a reality show of them of the two of them making a record together um but 
you know, like they, they, they hit this weird pocket of time in like the late, like late eighties, early nineties where like that kind of hunger for some sort of, I don't know. It was like, they were like sexy and like, they were kind of like aggressive and like, they did the whole like Janet Jackson thing of bringing somebody up on stage and like dancing on them and like they had they, they had pads. they had shoulder pads and they it was really definitely part of the movement where things shifted to focus much more heavily on visual. Absolutely, I mean um, they you ask anybody that was into them it was it was really really their visual presentation that set them apart. Like like I said, their music is garbage for the most part. For the most part, it's largely garbage, but like. When you saw them on a screen, like you were watching, because they they, Cause they had lit it all, up. They had all of the braids swishing around all in bicycling in shorts. I mean, Plikes, like just shorts, just swinging that hair left yeah. and right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that line that uh, and beautiful by Snoop Dogg when he says, "Walked up in that motherfucker just to swing in my hair." Every time I hear that, I think. Of a Millie Vanilli braid, just like heavily, mm. just like just, just fashion. I, mean, in I the would wind. even go so far as to say the cover of Lemonade would not be possible without Millie Vanilli. Without a doubt. I mean, those braids are. So <laughs> 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 I mean, the braid as we know it. I mean, I don't know. But I mean, all that to say, Millie Vanilli is a really interesting story. I know I'd hop it's around a, tra- a bit it's there. A tragic it's a tragedy, story, really. It's a tragedy simply because, like, I think that if we were to assess them as they are now, yeah. people would probably, and they would just be like, hey, yeah, no, we're just lip syncing on top of this. People would oddly probably be into it, like in yeah. some weird way. Um, that kind of level would probably of, be like celebrated yeah. for duping people. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Who it's knows? just like, yeah, they were, they were very harshly judged. And they, they also became judged. synonymous. I mean, their whole band name, Millie Vanilli, is now used as an adjective for fakery. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And like, oh, just Milli Vanilli it. It's also weird to me because, again, this is it. How did you not know? Yeah. <laughs> That's just what it comes down to. I mean, it's it's different because, like, your story uh, with CNC Music Factory and Black Box. Um, oh, my story is like an inversion of this story. Completely different. And yeah. it's like, it's just funny because this one is just like a bunch of... This also all happened in the span of three years. Like this is 1988, 89, 90, like not even two and a half years tops. Like it was a very quick rise and fall. Um, like all that to say when someone can have that much of an effect on culture to be that popular and all of a sudden just like dupe everybody and it fall apart like very quickly, it's kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, that's that's Millie Vanilli. Um I want to play one more song of theirs um, because I think it's really funny. Okay. Oh. Okay, Eddie. This one's for you. (laughs) So gratuitous, that sample. Just unnecessary. It's literally the same drum loop on every I'm single song. You, it's so bad. When you hold in the hand, cause as time goes by, you got to understand it's you. Also, this song went number one. In America? In America. I 
America. I know. So when you're in doubt and needing someone, baby, call my line, call me anytime. <laughs> I'll be there for you. Teenagers, though. Anyways, wow. that's enough of that. But yeah, get into some Mini Vanilli if you have an afternoon to like crush. But like, or uh, if you're like at Muscle Beach in Venice, like lifting, you know, working on your abdominals. Yeah, just get into it. Just do some crunches and think of Rob. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's my story. Uh, R.I.P. to Rob, ladies. Well, um. My story is for the week is um, basically it's essentially about Martha Wash, mm-hmm. who was is she's actually one of my favorite 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 singers ever like really like top three female singers of all time. She's got a goddamn voice. That's the kind of voice that I love. Like Waylon ass yeah. saxophone soprano mm-hmm. singers. Yep. yep, I love Shaka Khan. I love Martha Wash, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston, like those singers, those ranges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The kind Lord. of voices that make you want to end your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was a fan of Martha Wash before I even knew that I was. Yeah. Because of the stories that I'm going to tell you now today, children. On this day. <laughs> On this day. So Martha Wash, um, she she's around like it's probably 60, like a little bit older than 60 now. Mm hmm. She grew up um, singing with Sylvester. She was a backing vocalist for Sylvester. That's just the best. She grew up um, sort of with him in the Bay Area, um, Oakland, etc. <laughs> Oakland, etc. Um, Oakland, etc. And she, yeah, she'd been like part of Sylvester's live show and his and his albums for for years. You know, for years at that point. So this is like a little taste of that. This is one of their. Um, songs that she's prominently featured on called uh, Dance Disco Heat. Uh, good fucking track. Great track. You got a match? The fabulous Look at all the fabulous Oh, don't worry. There's an intro on this too. Absolutely, without a doubt. That's pretty much Martha singing lead. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh-huh. her and like a lispy intro by yeah. Sylvester. That voice that you're hearing, that's Martha. Man. Um, so Martha left, um, you know, after working with Sylvester for, 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 for many years, kind of, did her own thing. She was in a group called The Weather Girls, most the Weather famous Girls. for It's Raining Men. Yeah. Big hit. Again, another song where you don't know the singer. Yeah, you don't. You just know, like, this is a really big disco song. Yeah. I mean, that's like most people, like, after disco was over, like, everyone just kind of forgot who was involved in it. 
Yeah, they forgot a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of drugs, bro. There you go. Rising. How low, girl? Sing Martha. Yes. I mean, big voice, big voice, big woman, big woman, and that played a role in this story too. One hundred percent. She was a big girl, mm-hmm. and she was proud of it. Didn't give a fuck. Didn't not one. Um, also, she, she was in the Weather Girls, and she was also in another girl group called uh, Two Tons of Fun. No way. Do you have a song? <laughs> um, <laughs> Two guess. Tons of Fun. Yeah, I mean, she what? was she was like totally cool I'm to emphasize thrilled. her size. I did not know that was a thing at all. Okay, this is, excuse me, this is two tons of fun. Get the feeling. Oh, that's my dog, Charlie. Yeah. Look, not the wash. She's not fucking around. She's a singing ass singer. That is a fucking jam. She's. She's one of my faves. Hell yeah. She's one of my faves. Wow. And just I've like, never heard that before. Of all my favorite singers, she's the most underrated one. I mean, shit. Like, that is... Wow. Didn't know she's, that was a thing. She's pretty incredible. That's like absolutely like a super kind of like Shaka vibes for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um. So she ended up cutting a vocal for these producers called uh, CNC Music Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, Clavellis and Cole, they were two sort of like house dudes from New York. Um, and she never, she went in, recorded the song, never received any, you know, notification, notification, credit Credit. listing, blah, 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 blah. Did she get paid? Well, eventually, but she saw, she turned on the TV and saw another bitch Singing, singing her song, her song. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the first it, w- it wasn't it, it wasn't wouldn't the be first the, time no, it was the first time it was the first time but, but it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be, be the last, last. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that is the voice of Martha Wash one Miss Martha Wash <laughs> everybody I mean that voice that <laughs> voice the crazy part is like she'll blow your house down. She absolutely will. 
And this is like a incredibly, an incredibly, incredibly popular song. Oh yeah, this was a smash hit. Everyone knows this song. I mean, even if you're like five years old now, it's still big. Yeah, it's true. So big. around the same time as this, um, maybe a little bit earlier, Martha had gone to work with um, these Italian producers um, by the names of, actually, I know one of them, Daniel Davoli. Mm-hmm. I met him like years ago. Um, he was one of the founding members of, of Black Box. And um, another guy who's a clarinet teacher <laughs> called Valerio Simpli- Simplici. Simpl- Valerio, Valerio Simplici. Valerio Simplici. Simplici. And um, another uh, electronic music whiz, Mirko Limoni. They're Italian. Could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that they were actually from... Daniele Davoli, Valerio Simplici, and Mirko Limoni. They sound Scandinavian. <laughs> <laughs> So Martha ended up going to the studio with these guys and recording a bunch of d- vocals for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, different stuff. You know, she top line, she wrote songs and didn't ever get, you know, a notification that that stuff would be coming out. Okay. And she's in a hotel room. Actually, I'm going to read some of this story. Um, this is from an article in, in the Rolling Stone magazine called Martha Wash, the most famous unknown singer of the 90s, speaks out. The voice behind its raining men, gonna make you sweat and strike it up, went from being a bullied victim to an industry pioneer. Uh, Martha Wash was sitting in a Los Angeles hotel room, furious and confused. It was late 1990, and the singer, relaxing before a show that night, had decided to unwind with some channel surfing. She stumbled upon a new music video by Italian house group Black Box, whose synth lines, horn stabs, and pulsating club-tailored drum patterns had already made the dance music had already made them dance music stars. The song's vocals kicked in. She was shocked to see French model Katrine Kinwal the ex-girlfriend of founding member Daniele Davoli, bending over and crouching in a unitard lip-syncing Wash's vocals to the eventual hit, Everybody, Everybody. I said to myself, I don't believe this shit is happening again, says the now 60-year-old Wash. I called my manager and said, I just heard myself on TV in a video. Again is the operative word, as just a few months prior, Wash had uh, heard her ostensible demo vocals being lip-synced by singer Zelma Davis on the video for CNC Music Factory's monstrous club hit, Gonna Make You Sweat. I mean, could you imagine Can you just being like, again? wait, is what? this a theme? Am I, am I, is this real life? Is this happening? I would absolutely be questioning reality because once is enough, but twice in the span of not even. I mean, even, fool I, me once, shame on me. Exactly. Fool me twice. Like, who the fuck is getting cut, you know? That's how I would have felt. I mean, the crazy part, the crazy part is, is that these two rail thin ass bitches that they try to replace her with, like, there's no way. There's they no could even way. hold the amount of oxygen required. Absolutely not. Not in those bird chests. Not at all. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, you you hear the sounds of that song. There's no way a woman under the size of like under like a size nine made this. No. Period. No. Period. It's not happening. You just don't have you don't have the range. You simply don't have you it. You don't have the range. It's crazy. In this scenario, I mean, okay, there's this is where the story kind of gets a little all over the place too because Black Box had already had 
a substantially huge hit before this Not The Wash one came out mm-hmm. um, with a song called Right On Time. Mm. Um, it was a massive smash. It was like number one in um, Australia, number five in the UK, um, huge all over Europe. It sold, I think, like went on to sell five million copies. I don't remember that song. Can you play oh, it? Oh, this was like my the childhood fag- faggotry moment <laughs> so this gets complicated too because there's two existing vocals of this song uh-huh. the um the original was an uncleared sample by lolita holloway and another amazing big girl singer. another yeah um so this is her song uh called love sensation this was the original vocal it's a long intro so i'm gonna We're still, so we're two minutes into this song, and we're Damn. still in the intro. One of these days. Okay, catch this vocal, though, because what? Okay, so put a pin in that. Yep. Because and put it right there. We know that one. If you call yeah. it that, yeah. Good vibration moment. Absolutely. This gets so it's like a it's a lip sync web of deceit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the plot bodies, fucking thickens. Yeah, bodies are, are <laughs> dropping left and right here, <laughs> and bars too. Apparently, yeah. So that was Lolita Holloway from a um, a Salsoul Nugget from like back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow Danielle Davoli, Daniele Davoli, and all the Black Box crew got yeah. this vocal and they turned it into this smash hit uh, known as "Right on Time." Here is the original version of the song featuring Lolita Holloway. That was my touchstone as a child. This was yeah, I did all. The faggy dancing. Of course. <laughs> a lot of arms. Sat- oh, so many arms. So many bicycle shorts. <laughs> so much childhood faggotry. <laughs> My poor mother had to rewind this tape all day. All day. God bless her for it. I suggest all of you Google what this singer looks like, too. This was who they were trying to say did it. The woman that he has up on the screen looks like a young version of, of Dark Skin on Viv. Uh, <laughs> now let's think about that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's just no way. That is a cut. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just don't remember the name of that song. I um, 
That's the original one with Lolita Holloway. With Lolita Holloway, yes. which they released without they, clearing the um, sample. They didn't clear it. Didn't clear it. Now, they were trying to say, that they didn't, weren't trying to claim Lolita Holloway was the young, dark-skinned Aunt Viv, were they? They were trying to say that young Aunt Skin, young, young dark, dark-skinned <laughs> Aunt Viv, <laughs> um, her name is uh, Catherine, Catherine, like Catherine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to call her Catherine Quinoa, but her name is um, <laughs> like Quinoa, 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 Catherine Quinoa, whatever. <laughs> Um, she was her. literally like a 120 pound model. I mean, she, yeah, she barely could speak English, actually. Another also, thing. Another thing. Another I think thing. she was like Afro Caribbean, like French, French something. Yeah. yeah. Um, she couldn't really speak English that well, certainly not without an accent. Um, but they were going on all these TV performances all across Europe, and she was lip syncing the song on stage. Um, and not very well. I mean, the thing is, she looked super hot in a pair of. Bicycle shorts and mm. a little gold lame bra, and like a, yeah. And she had great braids. Absolutely. Apparently, all you needed was great all you braids. needed braids in the nineties to like make it. <laughs> Shit, if that's the case, let me like give me seventeen packs of yaki, and I will be that bitch any day. <sighs> so eventually, they got sued for that and had to. <laughs> 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 and um, here's Lolita Holloway talking about it, actually. But while she was still alive, she died um, shortly after. But, um, yeah. It's an honor to me if people would sample, when they sample my records. But the thing about it is when they don't give me credit. <laughs> There was a group called Black Box that sampled one of my love sensation. sensation. I, I don't know why that audio is so shit. It's uh, anyway. Event- of- eventually, they decided rather than give her her propers and keep selling the record with this new deal that they had. Just you know, they already had to mm-hmm. give her credit. What they did. God forbid you give a black woman her dues. God forbid. God forbid. That's not how this world works, people. Nope. Um, what they decided instead to to do, hang on, was to re-record, um, re- try and get someone to sound like her and mm-hmm. re-record the vocal. So here's the version that is currently on iTunes for sale now. And I'm sorry, people, but this is not the one. Gonna get up, gonna get up, gonna get up. Oh, another long intro. I mean, it literally sounds like someone's like, it's not even like a, like a singing yell, it's just an actual just yell. No. 
I mean, it's such a no for me, dog. Yeah, we got to cancel that one. <laughs> but here's the here's an extra um, <laughs> cup of tea for you on that. <laughs> no extra charge. The free singer, refills up in this one today. <laughs> free refills, all the sweet tea that you need for your drive home for your long commute. The singer that redid it is Heather Small from M People. Which were like also? Oh, do you remember M people? They were like a big. Yeah. They were they were a big. Let me. Why would she do that? Because this was really before they they were even. You'll you'll know this song shortly. Yeah. This was I mean big in Europe, but. No shade, but like she kind of sounds like she's like exhausted all the time. <laughs> How was that no shade? Why did you, why'd you even say that? No, I mean like it just <sighs> she says that just like, moving oh, on now, moving on now. now. Like, like, you know, like, I'm about to, like, you know, when... Uh, it's I like just, Jack's impression of Cher. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like Jack's impressions. Or when Whoopi was singing uh, Bala Confusion at, uh, <laughs> on Sister Act 2. No, it's all right. It's okay. I can do it. Yeah, that's what reminds <laughs> me. When she was having her James Brown moment. Yes. Um, um, it's just so many, many things already, and we haven't even... I haven't even finished. We haven't even finished. I haven't even finished. So that whole so so Black Box they put out this single with Lolita Holloway and some skinny very beautiful woman yeah very thinking yeah they get sued they replace it with that vocal and continue selling it like it was the same damn hotcake and like when they change something on the menu and you order it and you're like no this doesn't taste the same and they're like no yeah, this is exactly the, the way we've always made it that's what it is and you know that they're lying yeah you know it is and you give them that look you're just like for real dog. <laughs> For real? You gonna sit here and tell me this right now? Did you guys change? You know the number two has never had a single slice of cheese. It's always been two. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened I with that. <laughs> but then they actually tried to pretend that the same girl that was singing that song was the same girl that was singing this one. BTW, this song is my motherfucking cut. This is a real <laughs> fucking serious jam. Hey. I mean, say like, what you want about the people who made it, but this shit like, still goes hard. Up all day. <laughs> swirl. And swirl. And swirl. What? And swirl. Come on, Martha. Tone, bitch. Tone. Sang it. Let me know how you feel. Ow. Intro, intro, intro. Not even mad about it. Ow. You better work. I mean, two separate voices. Clearly two different people. <laughs> like, there's no confusion there. Sing. 
I mean, that is such a jam. I mean, like, give me a fan. Any, <laughs> give me a fan, and give I will me put a on a show. And a clear floor, bitch, and <laughs> I will put on a goddamn show. <laughs> I mean. You can't tell. You can't tell somebody when that song comes on. You know what Look, I mean? It's just like it's a done deal. Like it's a done deal. The dance floor is packed. You know, honestly, that that also, idea. Also, somebody like that, just sampled that. It's a, a, like I heard it on trap on like a trap song. That's they, no, the key like dun, dun, they slowed down those keyboards. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm trying to think who it was. If you know who it was, you can contact us at contextofsound@gmail.com context of or on Twitter at contextofsound. Ooh, we got that in there. That's nice. Um, and I mean, like, it's such, it's such a, a solid, it's a huge song, number one. Yeah. And the other oh, song. and it was, it was, um, it was a even bigger global hit than, um, than, the pre- than, than Right On Time. Than Right On Time. Yeah. Which and is it crazy. Was, that was a big hit in America, yeah. which their previous song had not been. Is that, do you think that's the reason why there was like little to no, like, huh, that shit's not the same. I mean, honestly, they were both huge records in Europe. Yeah. And Australia. Like people just didn't give a shit. I mean, who not like what were people doing? Drugs. I mean, they weren't they weren't <laughs> Googling shit all day. Yeah, di- Google wasn't a they thing. They probably were doing things at work, like yeah. doing work. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have the internet as a distraction. I mean They weren't like Taking a shit at work, like trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, no one was. There wasn't like a sound hound <laughs> or like no. a, a Shazam going on. We're just like you just kind of did. You just went with whatever was told you to went, you. Yeah, exactly. But I guess again, as the same thing as I said with Millie Vanilli. I mean, my ears. They don't have a. They don't have like a a, a smartphone or a Google or a Shazam. I mean, they just like know like. You know, if something in the milk ain't clean, something in the milk ain't clean. You just kind of can hear it. You know, like I mean, again, what the you're receipts saying were all makes there. sense, but is irrelevant. I mean, the '90s were a weird fucking time. I mean, the, in general, I mean, today is a weird. It's still time. a weird time. Alternative facts. I mean, shit. That's where they got started at. Apparently, <laughs> 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 we were just like, actually, we don't have to say this is this is you. Actually, yeah. I don't like the way your face looks. I'm just going to put a new one there. I encourage all of you to um, take a moment to Google these three very different looking women. Absolutely very different looking women. And then Google the people that were tried that they tried to pass them off as. And the same thing with uh, Millie Vanilli. Look at those dudes, too. Like, the original guys. Like, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's funny that, like, in a world of Ed Sheeran's, that, like... There couldn't have been a Martha Wash. Yeah. You know? Oh, no way. Um, so let me just read like a, just to put this into perspective a bit more into context, if you will. This is <laughs> like from their, um, this is from the Black Box Wikipedia. In 1989, the trio teamed up with French Caribbean model Catherine Kinwell. Um, also known as Catherine Quinoa. Catherine Quinoa and formed the group Black Box. Keenwall did not contribute musically to any of the tracks on the album, but was considered the group's image and lip synced the songs on TV performances and music videos. The first single, Right on Time, was an international hit, making top 10 in many countries, number one in the UK, and became the UK's best selling single of 1989. Oh, wow. So it was a big, it was ass, a big hit. ass hit. They re recorded it with um, Heather Small after they got sued. Then the group enlisted Martha Wash to perform vocals on a number of tracks. Wash was apparently told were for 
club consumption and not for mass release. The album Dreamland was released in May 1990 and featured six songs sung by Wash, including the singles Everybody, uh, I Don't Know Anybody Else, and Strike It Up, which became major hits worldwide. Let's hear, stri- six, let's hear Strike It Up. Six songs. No credit. Uncredit. Wow. Also a big ass smash hit. Yes. And it's not even like it was like a... Uh, 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 a song lick here and there. No, I mean full songs. Full songs. First chorus, bridge. First <laughs> chorus, bridge. <laughs> Hell, we're just gonna throw a goddamn like interlude yeah. in here too. I mean, if you weren't doing the Running Man for this, you weren't doing it right. You weren't doing it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she just, it, again, <clears throat> just look at the photos, too. It's a real laughable, laughable try and uh, attempt at, like, some straight-up fuckery. Yeah. It's bananas. I mean, they... That song also, that song went to, um, everybody, everybody, the previous song went to number eight on the U.S. Top 100 and Damn. also Strike It Up went to number eight. These were top 10, top 10 hits. US hits. She was not credited. Honestly, she was, and some, had someone miming her in the video. Did she get now? Like, what was the how was the payment situation? Well, she sued them. Out? Yeah. For how much? I hope for a lot. I hope so too. Cause I mean, like, again, because she to especially me, especially too, because like it was between she, her and Lolita, they yeah. were. But everything. even for like the royal, like fuck the royalty shit. Like put that aside for a second. Just from like the the pure aspect of like exposure for her career, like the fact that they like kept that away from her. Yeah. Like as these songs were chart toppers, selling all over the place, and never once like being like, hey, this is Martha Wash on here. Yeah. And the CNC Music <laughs> Factory. Um, I mean, you know, that was both, there were such, um, iconic nineties, mm-hmm. big moments that were kind of robbed from her. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the fallout for like black box and CNC as a result? Well, that, that all kind of came out and their second album, they tried, they used a new vocalist entirely because things had obviously gone so well, mm-hmm. uh, so, so, <laughs> sorry, so poorly with Martha. <laughs> Not commercial, not commercially. Yeah. They've done really well, but you know they'd obviously burnt that bridge. She wasn't coming back. She was not coming back. <laughs> no. Um, I wonder if they asked Lolita her. Lolita like, wasn't down to do it. No, of course. Not. And I actually think she had passed. Maybe at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, no, actually, I'm lying completely, and I'll tell you why. Because, <laughs> because she's still alive today. She's no, actually she, outside. <laughs> <laughs> because Mark Wahlberg. Um, Sampled her and like... Also known as Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Before he was like... Before everyone decided we were okay with him being an actor. (laughs) Was an underwear model slash rapper. 
No, it's true, kids. Look uh, it up. Did that. He also um, very famously, like, didn't he, like, almost beat a Vietnamese dude to death? Wasn't that recent? <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny at all. It's a real story. Um, so <clears throat> he decided to get on his his little um, white savior horse, high horse, mm-hmm. and he was like, no, I'm going to take... Lolita Holloway's vocal, and I'm going to give her the credit, and I'm going to put her in the music video. Thanks, so, Marky Mark. Thanks, Mark. So if you look at the Good Vibrations video... And arguably, this is the better sample. To, in Like, I don't know. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yes, kids. That's the actor Mark Wahlberg rapping. No, I'm not lying. It's a real story. Imagine if Vanilla Ice had segued into a successful acting career. Man, I forgot how long intros were in the 90s. I mean, everyone always had to have a setup. Sing Lolita. Feel it. <laughs> come on, come on. Yo, it's about that time to break forth the rhythm and the rhyme. I'm gonna get mine, so get yours. I wanna see sweat coming out your pores. All the hosts are swinging. Oh, Boston. Boston. <laughs> coming out your pores. Rhythm, the rhyme, coming out your pores. I wanna see sweat coming out your pores. I mean, it's just. It's funny because I think about, like, obviously, since we were really young in the early 90s. like I mean, we like, we were look, barely we're even alive because we're, like... We're so young. Um, <clears throat> but since we were pretty young then the time I look at it and I think, you know, like, this is some crazy-ass shit that, like, people were really into. And I don't get it. And, like, I know full well that, you know, like, my niece's generation will probably look back at Lil Yachty or... <laughs> The like and just be like, the fuck was going on? You know, mm. like, what are we all into? What's what's happening here? There'll be a lot of questions. I mean, but there's always a lot of questions with each and every generation. But goddamn, I mean, Marky Mark's like hip hop career. I mean, think about this. Think about <laughs> if Lil Uzi Vert becomes like an Academy Award winning actor, <laughs> nominated actor who is like <laughs> just absolutely just praised and adored by critics. And like, do you remember that one time when he like was? On the like the freshman class cipher and basically said nothing the whole time, <laughs> like that's great. Um, that's what's happening right now. <clears throat> yeah, but I know. You just God never know what's going to happen with somebody. You just don't. You know, you it's like you know. Think about this, people. You know, you may see someone today and think, oh, you're just a sketch comedy artist. You make a little sketch comedy TV show on Comedy Central that no one really likes that much. And then that person may turn out to be a motherfucking filmmaking genius. Boom. Do you know who that person is? I mean, I'm just like making someone up. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> hypothetical. If that's a thing that people, people were, you never know. You, people surprise you. They always do. Uh, I don't know. It's true. You, you go from being mediocre in one thing to, to being get great out. in another thing, <laughs> or being mediocre in one thing and being mediocre in another thing mm-hmm. with, you know, 
Mark Wahlberg's stirring r- performance in Transformers 4. Here's <clears throat> <sighs> another black box moment. Tell me what you want and nothing more. 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 Yes. Oh, fuck me. If she does not. That's a vocal. That's heavy. That's one of those ones you gotta like lay down on the floor to like listen to like fully (laughs) just to like really let it hit you. God damn. That's crazy. I mean, so that's pretty much the story of that. Mm. Well, I mean. I'm grateful for those songs that they exist. They got me through a lot of gay pain when I was a child. (laughs) (laughs) Just dance the pain away. Oh, I mean, I wore that cassette out. Out. Ugh. I mean, it's sad that she was robbed of that both like both Martha and Lolita were really robbed of their what was due to them, not only just in like a financial like from from a financial perspective, but from mm. like a but from a respect from a respect perspective. Yeah. I mean like they produced It's very sizist. Yeah. Um yeah, it was just very sexist. <laughs> it's part of the course for the way in which black women are treated in the music industry. Like still to this day, like having to like fight for just to be recognized. For the shit I mean, that they're doing. yes, but also all women, all women, and in also general. in every aspect, in every of, life. aspect of life. Here yeah. we on, uh, you know, is on equal pay day. Yeah, dealing with, I mean, talking about this. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the same thing. Like they're literally just being shut out of their own fucking. Like how how. How crazy is it to literally turn on the television and to hear your voice, a song that you put your emotional and creative energy into being like passed off as somebody else's Mm. and you weren't even let in on the surprise. It's one thing to be like if you agreed to it and like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like it's whatever. That's one thing. But for it to not even be be considered to you or like even like not considered being like like told to you that hey we're gonna do this thing and not once not twice but like six separate plus times that you have to deal with this it's like it's crazy it's yeah. absolutely crazy and it's a goddamn shame that like I, I i get the perspective of you know like this on the on the flip side of like that the whole millie vanilli crew like everyone that was involved in that production knew what was going on yeah all the singers knew what was going on they knew they signed up for it but in the case of like Martha, who was not even like let in on the conversation, that's like incredibly shitty. Yeah, it's incredibly shitty. Uh, it's just a real big bummer. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I that's, mean, uh, that's been our show, guys. Our show Miming the charts. Miming the charts. <laughs> you know. Um, we'd love to hear if there's any other like people like that that you know of. That's a funny thing that I was thinking of when. When I was looking through this, like, who are other people that have, like, faked like this? You know, there's... Oh. <laughs> there's very clearly... I, I'm going to be ending with a 
certain number. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> See. <laughs> but, you know, I was I was reading and, you know, just the idea of, like, you know, ghostwriting from, you know, like, rappers to all kinds of other different things like that. This, le- this varying level of, of authenticity that people like to proclaim for music um, is a... Oh. Oh. <laughs> that no, you too. were saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that um, to be able to recover from that is one thing, but also like I don't know. Why is it surprising? Music is is a team effort for the most part. I think the only important thing is that people that are involved in that team should one hundred percent be given the recognition that they deserve. Uh, and yeah, I agree. That's it. Period. I agree. If you touch, I mean, if you touch it, you should at least get to rep it. So yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, who are outside of those two? I'd say that like, let me think of my other favorite like lip syncing like fiasco. I would say that mine would be when oh, obviously Mariah's <laughs> lip sync of of uh. <laughs> Of this past holiday season, I uh, mean, yeah, Mariah. <laughs> I mean, there's been there's there's been so much lip syncing of artists lip syncing to themselves. I mean, yeah. that even goes without saying. I mean, that's just it's, been it's part of the game. That's yeah. what you have to do. Um, someone else lip syncing your shit is one other thing. That's a completely, that's a completely different, different thing. Yeah, but I love a good lip sync fiasco. Well, um, um, let's just get to this. I mean, let's wrap it up, and we'll yeah. we'll. We'll, um, you know, we'll do that. We'll end with this. If you have got anything you want to share with us, um, oh, yeah. we're all on our on our on our platforms yeah. again. Now that we're back, we'll be more active on all those things. So, like, on I mean, Twitter, you say that, but you know what? I'm gonna try. I'm speaking into existence. I'm doing that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, on Twitter at context of sound, uh, you can email us uh, at context of sound at gmail.com. If you have any ideas. Ideas, feedbacks, all that shit. Find us on on uh, iTunes and all of those other platforms. Rate, subscribe, uh, do all that shit. It's really great for us. Uh, anyways, like I said, we love feedback. So if you have anything or any questions or ideas for shows or whatever, um, let us know. Um, or just say hi. Stuff like that, too. Yay. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope Thanks, that you've, guys. Um, hope that you've learned something new today. Yeah. Maybe have a newfound love of Miller Vanilla. Is that what that's going to be? Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, what can I say? Live TV. <laughs> exactly. I feel so bad my band started playing the wrong song. And I know what to do, so I thought I'd do a hoedown. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ashley Simpson! Everybody here! Bye, everyone. That's so awkward. Oh, can we always have the Saturday Night Live music at the end of the <laughs> week? <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you to myself Thank for you, recording this. Thank Thanks you guys to for Charlie listening. for like, coming in Thank a you guys. Bit. It's been so much fun. Thank you to our sponsor, this is a dream come true. LaCroix, Pablo Moose. It was so much fun. This is the best, best episode I love of my York, life. New York City. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, Becky. <laughs> Oh my god, bitch, I told you I was gonna do this shit. Look at me now! <laughs> hey, Rachel Dratch, wanna go get coffee? <laughs> oh my god, Keenan, you're still on this show. <laughs> <laughs>